0: Good morning, this is Real Estate for Breakfast Podcast, and I'm your host, Phil Coover, of Shankanist Tepper Campbell. The Real Estate for Breakfast Podcast is a Chicago-centric commercial real estate podcast utilizing real estate professionals, attorneys, and finance professionals to create thoughtful commentary on current real estate issues and entertaining discussion. This podcast is a mixture of real estate business and law. Today we have another fantastic guest. We have David Moore of Equity Office. And David oversees the entire portfolio of Equity Office's buildings and uh, office space here in Chicago. Equity Office is uh, a company that's owned by Blackstone, the private equity firm. And it was, to give you an idea of the scale, it was sold, it used to be owned by Sam Zell. It was sold to Blackstone in, I think it was 2007 or 2009 for $37 billion. I believe is the number. So that gives you an idea of the scale that this company has. And David Moore, he was a University of Illinois alum. He went there for undergraduate school. And then he was in. He went straight then to investment banking. And then he got a degree from Northwestern, an MBA. And then he was at Heinz Interest for quite a long time, helping them build uh, large skyscraper office-type buildings. And then about a year ago, he was hired over to uh, run the equity office's portfolio here in Chicago. And he is behind the major development, redevelopment of the Willis Tower, formerly known as the Sears Tower. It's my favorite building in Chicago. It uh, it has always been my favorite since I was a child driving into the city from DeKalb. And so it has a, a warm place in my heart for this building. So when In February of this year, when the Willis Tower announced their half a billion dollar investment into this company, and then I subsequently found out that uh, an old college friend of mine was in charge of this operation, I I knew I had to get David on the podcast. So we've been trying to get him on the podcast. He's a very busy guy. We finally got him, grabbed him for a few minutes, and uh, he was just a fantastic speaker. He's tremendously qualified, and it's amazing that he's risen to the, the level that he is at such a young age, and I think you'll quickly realize why when you when you hear him talk about this development and, and everything that he brings to the table. So we will just dive right into that interview. If listeners are interested in a certain topic, I want you to feel free to get in touch with us by emailing us at solutionscenter at satcltd.com. We've had a lot of positive feedback recently, and people are contacting us that uh, would like to come on the show or have ideas for the show, we really appreciate that. Please leave a, a review or a, a rating on iTunes. That helps quite a bit. And uh, visit us at realestatebreakfast.com, which is our website. We should also mention this podcast is brought to you by SATC Solution Center, L3C, which is the Education and Development Division of the Law Firm Shank Annis, Tepper Campbell, LTD. I'm an attorney and principal with that firm. And we will just quickly move to David Moore of Equity Office. Enjoy. Good morning. This is Real Estate for Breakfast, and I'm here with David Moore of Equity Office. David, thank you for coming on the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. David, I, this is a special podcast for me because you work next door in the Willis Tower, and that is my my favorite building in the city. Ever since I was a little kid, I used to love driving in from DeKalb, Illinois, and seeing then the Sears, now the Willis Tower, on the horizon, and uh, just really appreciate you coming in to talk about Equity Office
1: and what's going on at Willis Tower. Yeah, no, it's good. It's uh, it's funny, there are a lot of people that have that same affinity for the building, and it's... um. Uh, you know, it cuts both ways, good and bad, everybody has an opinion, but um, but there's definitely kind of a, a civic and community pride in, in what we do over there, so it's fun to be a part of it. Absolutely, and speaking of being a part of it, so
0: last year, Willis Tower and Equity Office announced a half a billion dollar investment and in renovation in the building, and before we get into specifics, uh, just if you just tell everyone a little bit about the project from a
1: uh, <coughs> a large-scale picture that'd be great yeah absolutely first I should tell you this is my first podcast so um, avid listener <laughs> but first time uh, first time doctor yes uh, so we are taking a building that was uh, delivered in 1973 um, has had a f- you know several ownerships over the, the last four decades and then uh, there have been some modifications to the building kind of as we've gone there's the the new entry off Wacker, which is the lunchbox. We have the Skydeck entry, which was created off Jackson. Um, there was some some work done on the inside to kind of you know beautify and change the look. Um, you know we are really approaching it from kind of a holistic view, and you know the 500 million plus really is intended to completely modernize and create um, a workplace environment that's really unmatched, right? So um, you know before I get into kind of what what we're doing the what you know for us it it all starts with the why and for us you know what we're seeing today is we're seeing companies that are are choosing culture um, and choosing cultural decisions over anything else. It's not the, it's not the CFOs um, and the accounting groups that are, that are winning the battle on kind of what space they choose in all circumstances. You're seeing the, the tide is shifting more towards a cultural decision. So, so tenants are paying premiums to be in locations that support their workforce and support their mission and make their employees happy. And you know you, that's why you've seen so many landlords in Chicago invest in amenitization of their buildings and you know, there are 20 different buildings in Chicago the last couple of years or over 20 that have made announcements for major uh, scale amenity improvements lobby enhancements and they're they're all trying to find that that secret sauce um, and that 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 touch and feel and experience that um, you know you didn't you didn't see in office buildings in you know 1973 when when it was delivered and back in when, when Sears Tower was delivered in 73 it was a uh, it was an ode to the company, and it was a it was a beacon for um, you know prestige, and it was a uh, a symbol of kind of a strength of a company. And and you know, fast forward forty years, and and that that you know uh, decision path for why companies locate in a building, it's for some companies it's still prestige, but for the vast majority of companies, it's. What are my employees going to live and breathe and eat and sleep? And how, you know, how is their day-to-day going to be? And how is this going to help me attract more employees? I mean, Chicago is sub-4% employment, right? unemployment for bachelor degrees and up, right? And you look at Seattle, you look at San Francisco, New York. You know, every major metropolis is the same way. So you have to provide something different. And, and our goal is to, to be that, that unique you know, not just check the box, that unique space where um, where the texture and where the um, the amenities and where the, the day in the life of your employee really sings at Willis like, like no other. Um, and I think the, the program we're developing um, does that. And, you know, previously the building was designed with fortress-like kind of outside, right. right? You know, it was imposing. There's granite all the way around. There's hardscapes, um, or there's hardscape and there's just a a uh, a foreboding appearance, right? And so we're we're breaking down those walls, we're creating transparency the base, we're creating activation, we're bringing the streetscape out um and we're, we're we're creating a a destination that is an amenity destination for both the 15,000 plus workers in our building, the 1.7 million plus uh, visitors that come to, to look at the building at the Sky Deck every right. year, plus the 160,000 office workers that are within a you know six block radius, right? So this really has the opportunity to be that that unique destination, given the scale and the opportunity and the land and the site that we have. You know What we're doing, uh, we are amenitizing the building first inside the building. So we're creating four special floors that are tenant-exclusive amenities. Um, two of those have delivered. So we have a 50,000-square-foot floor, which has... 30,000 square foot fitness center, which is top awesome. of the line. You know, kickboxing class, uh, yoga, spin, um, personal training, TRX, boxing. Um, you know, we have 15,000 square feet of just cardio. We have another 10,000 plus or minus square feet of uh, free weights and squat machines, and really anything you you want to do at a super low price, right? So it's really to monetize the employees, make people happy, be able to stay in the building and work out. The rest of that floor is cafe you know we're serving high-end coffees we're serving grab-and-go um, we have a bar on that floor so at four four o'clock in the afternoon you can go down and you can get a beer we have seasonal cocktails we have food that's served with our partners club corp um, and then we have a uh, just the floor above we have a conference center which we can hold roughly 300 people in our conference center um, and you can break it up into different pods our second and that's what we call as tower house and that's our Uh, that's on the 33rd and 34th floor so it's our mid-rise amenities and it's really a a neighborhood right so part of our our thesis for this building was you know what makes Chicago special and and why do people resonate with buildings like Willis or Wrigley Field or the Lakefront or wherever their neighborhood is Um, and part of it is because the neighborhood so we've embraced that and so we have our tower house which is more of our West Loop, kind of Fulton Market creative feel to it, so the materials are are related to that. As you go up into the building, on our high-rise transfer floor, 66 and 67, we have the Altitude Lounge. So that's a little smaller, about 15,000 square foot floor plate. Um, It'll have the same similar kind of grab-and-go, seating, lounge area, um, and really, again, exclusive to tenants um, within the building or their guests that they bring in there. And it's, it's a little bit more of a higher and sophisticated look and feel, more kind of the Gold Coast neighborhood, if you will. Sure. And that's really designed for law firms who are up in the high high rise. Uh, private equity investment firms, and kind of that, uh, a little bit more of the high-rise um, exclusive tenant base.
0: Yeah, so that's the word I was going to use, is yeah. a little bit of exclusivity to For it, sure. the only people there. Because selfishly, as someone who works just the block south at 311 South Wacker, right. as you were describing these, I was like, I want to go to this fitness center. That sounds excellent. That well, we can, convenient? we can, when's your lease
1: <laughs> up? We can figure that out. <laughs> it's coming up here in a couple yeah. <laughs> um, of years. Um, so that's the, that's within the building. On top of that, we're doing, you know, we're going to spend $75 million on uh, complete modernization of the elevators, destination dispatch, better floor access, removing kind of the the multiple transfer elements that have always lived within the building. Um, so we're simplifying that, cleaning that up, making that a much better and smoother transition and, and processional into your space. That's, that's such an unsung hero. I'm right. a member of a private club that has very old elevators. and. You
0: know, it's not gonna. It's not something people are gonna notice right at front. But I tell you, the people who go up and down the elevators every day, sure do appreciate not having slow elevators that catch and take forever. That's right. just, yeah, it's not sexy. It's not your first leader, but it's
1: really valuable to those who use it all right. the time. And it's uh, it's painful and it's you know a lo- lot of heavy logistics and it's a um, it's a process that has to be carefully orchestrated. You know, we benefit from having pretty good bones as far as the existing elevators and they've been well maintained and they were good to begin with because they were designed for sears and you know they over designed it when they first put it in so that helped us so we're, we're benefiting from that but it's a process that we're going to go through and we're um, we'll have destination dispatch in place by this summer so it'll be it'll already you'll already start to see the immediate immediate benefits so it'll be great so that's the that's Fantastic. the building. Then, on top of, you know, alongside on the ground floor, so what you first experience when you come to the building, um, we are basically tearing down everything that's around the base of the structure, and we are adding 300,000 square feet plus or minus of retail space and amenitization for the actual office tower. Yeah, that's a lot of square feet to be adding to the base of an already enormous building. It is. Yeah. It is. And there, um, funny story there, there's the site to the south, which is currently where the skydeck entrance sits, mm-hmm. um, and where we are going to, the bulk of this space that we're building is going to sit on, there are existing caissons that live below the surface, an existing structure that was put in place when Willis Tower or Sears Tower was originally developed, in order to support kind of a future tower. There was always plans really? for a future tower of, of pretty good size, and so we're we're leveraging that existing structure. So we're not going into the ground we're just building up from that existing structure and so our engineers and architects have had to kind of design within those parameters but um it's a nice nice luxury to have yeah and from what i
0: read about the uh, additions that you're bringing in terms of retail is that they're going to be pretty high end you're going to have
1: a i don't know are you having a range of
0: of retail it is
1: yeah it's 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 definitely a range um we are i would say we we ideally run the, the gamut of, um, you know, kind of uh, fast, casual, affordable to, you know, on the upper end of that fast casual spectrum and then all the way into the high end and cocktail bar and, you know, kind of the, those types of offerings. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to raise the bar, right? So some of these are aspirational type, um, f- you know, food and beverage type places. You know, we're, we're talking to, um, you know, arguably the best salad provider right in the city they would come to our space where you know we signed a lease with um with a a high-end lobster guy um we've signed a a lease with a great sandwich shop um you know we've signed a lease with uh shake shack which is probably more veered towards the tourist population sure um but still uh, an amenity that is, is unique to the space and is on the you know higher end and they're designed forward and they're very conscious of the aesthetic and the experience, and uh, the warmth and the, the materials that are chosen um, for that space, and really, you know, high-end design. Um, so it is definitely <clears throat> a, a, a range, and you know, it's a range in price point. It's also a range in the day. You know, so we're we're going in there carefully curating the day in the life of the visitor, of the worker, of kind of the the neighborhood person, right? So when you go to the building, where do you get your coffee? Where do you get your smoothie? Where do you work out? You know, do you do classes? Do you go to the gym on thirty-three? Um, <clears throat> when you want to get a, a breakfast sandwich, where do you go? If you want to sit down and have brunch, where do you go? You know, lunch. What are your options? You know, options not just only sitting in the building, but maybe delivered to your door, you know, or to your floor. And then from there, how do you extend the workday so it doesn't feel like you go from home to work back to home? You know, your, your extension of home overlaps in the office so that it feels more uh, communal um, and um, more of a place where you can collaborate and you can get energized and you can extend that work day and, you know, go have a, a beer after work or have dinner with colleagues or have people meet you at the building. So we're, we're painstakingly curating that. And I think it would be easy for us to go out and sign a bunch of leases just given the 15,000 square feet or 15,000 people in the building. That's, right. It's not easy to find people that want to be retail operators that want to be in the building. The I think the secret sauce is in how we curate that to make sure that the the mix is ideally suited for that office user that wants to be in the building.
0: Yeah, no, you guys are definitely taking a lot of um, thought to the curating that approach and increasing the quality of time that someone just spends as well as the quantity. I imagine would be a little bit of a goal just to keep people around the building and you know it's a prime location you're right you have union station right on your front door and you also have all of the, the cta rail lines because that's something that i wanted to, to lead in is do you have a lot of other office buildings that are opening up in the west loop and on the <clears throat> northern side of wacker and i was just wondering hey how do you compete with them and, and one of the things i was thinking about is i just think the location is superior from a transit perspective. I know that the West Loop is very popular right now that office rates are increasing, but I don't know how people get there if you don't live there. I mean, my my wife's office is on Des Plaines and it's a very trendy loft style office. She works for a law firm too, but it's a 20 minute walk for her from Metro Station and there's no great bus to get you there. This transit is difficult. I was just wondering, uh, you must be cognizant, I'm sure you are, of all of the new buildings that are being delivered yeah. next year
1: and, and how are you going to compete? So I think from, you know, two separate questions, I think how we compete is, um, you know, we, we think we have a better mousetrap, right? We think that the way the, our offering um, and the amenities and the scale and the um, the diversity of those those uses and those experiences are, you know, you, you can't compare, right? So you can't compare that to um, even some of the newer you know, Class A buildings, which have a seven thousand square foot fitness center and you know uh, a coffee shop and a grab and go at the ground floor. You, you just can't compare. What we're offering is <clears throat> is really a destination and is really um, you know um, a primarily food and kind of beverage oriented retail experience um, that is just it, it, it's like mixing two phenomenal um, individual projects on their own and and putting them together and, and right. each each benefit from each other. So. Um, and I think you've seen that in kind of the, the activity here that we have at the, at the building and the, the phenomenal success we've had on, on kind of our, our lease up um, and the large, you know, major tenants we've signed and, and should be announcing here pretty soon as well. Um, so Do you want to
0: tell us who any of those tenants are? You know, are? I'd, uh,
1: <laughs> the last public announcement we made was uh, GATX. So they were moving from the Franklin, uh, roughly a 90,000 square foot tenant. Um, prior to that, we had um, ESD. Um, the National Restaurant Association. Um, those were roughly fifty thousand square feet each, um, and we have we have a couple larger tenants in in the mix here soon, but not quite ready to announce them. You know, if you talk about the West Loop, I think what we've seen is that the the users that are choosing that space they're they're choosing it for a, diff, a couple different reasons right so um, we also own River North Point which is a building uh, at 350 North Orleans a Holiday Inn is on right. top so I oversee that as well and we we lost a tenant from that building moving to Fulton Market all right so they're mm-hmm. going to new construction in the Fulton Market um, and they're paying a premium for that a significant premium right and it, it's but it's a significant economic premium you know, in, in dollars and cents. But when you start to look at the overall impact of their business, um, that economic premium on rent is just a small piece of their overall cost. Right. Their, their bigger cost is talent retention, um, you know, and productivity and, you know, how they're inspiring their employees for you know, their creative their creative oriented company. Right. How do you get your employees, you know, energized and, and, you know, innovating and constantly on the cutting edge um, and for them, they they felt like they needed to make that move. Um, you know, we differed on kind of how, how we could approach that, right? And we think what we're offering is pretty tremendous as well. But um, you're seeing companies that are, are one, they're moving there, maybe in spite of the transportation challenges, and they're they're saying either one, my employees are going to get there on the Green Line, mm-hmm. um, two, they're going to take Uber, right? Because yeah. Half the people take Uber anyways, right? And, you know, whether they can afford it or not, they're still taking it. Um, and then I think you're also seeing those companies are moving west because that's where residential neighborhoods are occurring as well, right? You west Loop is right there. You know, Ukrainian Village is not too far away. Um, I mean, there are Bucktown, Wicker Park, right? You're seeing residential um density pop up around that area as well so it's it's less of a stretch to to imagine yourself if you know your workforce is not necessarily a suburban commuter workforce um, it's easier for you to get your arms around the fact that you're moving to a location that might be off the beaten path from the typical commuter destinations and and we're seeing that and they're not there are company after company doing that i mean there is no main and main anymore right it's not madison and state and or madison and dearborn or lasalle and monroe you know i mean those are there is no main and main it's it's pockets of of different locations and even for the companies that you might imagine are moving to these loft type buildings you know you would you would you, you see Google moves to their own huge loft building, right? But at the same time, you see Facebook sitting in a traditional center core, 25,000 square foot, you know, glass curtain wall building, and they're t- they just took three more floors. They, they, you know, quadrupled their space, right? So everybody has different views on what they want to do. Um, there is no kind of one size fits all. It kind of depends on what their function, what their employee base is, you know, where where they think they want to be um, and how they serve it but I think transportation if anything transportation is a is a short-term pain and I think what we'll see over the next few years is going to be um, relief of that pain
0: yeah no that makes sense I think what you're offering at the Willis Tower is I like the progression of how buildings are approaching their relationship with their tenants because most businesses are constantly worried about how can we improve our, our employees' experiences. And what you're doing is you're saying, well, tenants, how about I help you improve your employees' experiences? And so you don't have to do it on your own company and just try to make the workplace in the office where they, they're actually sitting down to work better, but I'll help you by improving the entire environment that they're going to work in each day. I'll bring the food to them I'll bring your exercise to them I'll be a place to relax and I think um, I love the trend of what you're trying to do is just say you're not I'm not just giving you a place to park and you set up shop and you do what you're going to do for your employees I'm here to help you with
1: that right and and we we view it as you know the building is the hardware right and the culture of the the tenants is the the operating system right so the hardware has to support the operating system um, you know there's and, and so as landlords and as owners of buildings our idea is to create the the hardware that allows companies to optimize their their operating system right and so there's only so much we can do right the leadership of those individual companies need to be embracing that and driving that themselves or right? we're not we're not in the weeds and, and managing their companies but what we can do is we can provide the optimal, you know, experience and the optimal environment for them to extend their brand, right, and and hopefully their space they choose and the building they choose reflects a commitment to their brand and to their culture and to their employees and kind of how they're thinking about retention and, you know, maximizing their business, really. Right. It was, um,
0: leads into my other question, and it's going to overlap a little bit with your answer you just gave, but As the Willis Tower, how do you try to search for tenants and what are you looking for in terms of tenants? And maybe it leads back to what you're just saying, the types of tenants that are looking for a place to improve their employees' culture and their lifestyle.
1: Uh, But how do you even determine that from when you're evaluating tenants? What's your approach? It's a, well, the good thing about Willis um, is that it is a building where we have small tenants, we have large tenants, right? And um, because of the size of the building and just the natural role that, it, that occurs every single year, which can be monumental, um, just by natural kind of progression, um, we, we target everybody. So we really do talk to everybody. <clears throat> but I think you know our goal is always to differentiate our space and our building and what we're offering from everybody else, right? So we're not gonna get in the, in the race to um, beat somebody on The lowest rent possible right well that's that's not you know maybe that was the story five years ago at willis but that's not the story today right we're we're creating something that the market craves and that companies want to be at and you know we're in situations now where we are not able to accommodate requests that come to us right so it's a you know the idea is you you create you have a you have an unyielding vision Right, for what you think it needs to be and, and then you execute on that vision which we've started to do already and people can experience that when they come on the tower house floor in thirty three, thirty four and they right. can see what we've done already. They start to buy into it and then all of a sudden you're you're commanding premium because you're differentiated, right? And then, you know, what we've what we've seen is we've seen tenants that have been, you know, we've were included on the list. For a tour, right, by brokers that might be, you know, that see have seen our space, maybe the tenants are kind of have preconceived notions of what the building is gonna be. And then when they come in, it's you know, the conversation quickly changes to, holy cow, nobody even compares to this when I start to see what my employees can do. I mean, you go on our floor and any single day, our, our amenity floor, and there are people having meetings, they're having coffee, they're doing interviews, they're having breakouts with their teams. I mean, it's it's active. It is tremendous, right? And so it's kind of word of mouth. It's kind of, you know, you put it out there and, and people come to it. Um, but, you know, we're, we're constantly, we're, we're working it both ways, right? We're, we're always out there in front of folks and we're, we're doing our best to kind of get, get the vision out there. I think at this point, we've gotten it out there. So, you know, it's it's very... Um, That's awesome. It's self, self-fulfilling. self
0: Yeah. No, and... I- you come to it with a company that has such a great reputation that tenants know that you're gonna put the time and the energy and the thought into making it good and right. doing it right and uh, your, your enthusiasm for the product shows through yeah absolutely it really does yeah. Um, do you ha- I, w- I was just wondering because it says do you have retail that's not food based or is it or the, is the stores that you're bringing just um, restaurants and beverage?
1: Good question. You know, if if this was five years ago, it'd probably be more of a, a split <clears throat> and there'd probably be some some discussion about doing apparel or, you know, typical retail merchandising. Um, sitting here today, we have not engaged with any um, kind of traditional retailers. So we, we anticipate, we've got about 40 to 45 different suites that are available on the retail side or that are planned altogether. Um, if you break that down by... The type of use and kind of how um, you know how each space is planned or, or programmed for and expected to lease as, you know, we signed <clears throat> of the three hundred thousand a little bit less. We signed a, a lease for fifty-five thousand to Convene, which is a third-party conference center. Um, so they're going to take the entire third floor essentially, and they're you know they basically make conferencing easy. Um, they can host up to six hundred people in their space. You know column free space high-end high-tech gourmet chef gourmet food you know really just kind of make your conferencing easier and they can do groups from 15 all the way up to 600. so that's you know call it one-sixth a little bit more of the space Um, And that's kind of service specifically for the office tenants. Um, We're going to have a heavy fitness component, so we're creating a fitness hall, which will be um, really kind of a a cluster of class-based fitness programs. I think the trend you've seen in fitness is that um, people people enjoy kind of going on the treadmill and and being in their their office fitness space or their, their club. But there's a, a strong trend towards the classes, right? And so right. we're embracing that. And so there might be tenants in our building that want to just go to our 30,000-square-foot fitness center and do it on their own or work with a trainer. And there are other groups that want to do you know, yoga or spin or high-intensity training or you know, private training in our fitness hall, which is located in our, our retail footprint. Um, more than half or about half plus or minus of the, the suites will be food and beverage so um and again it's kind of that day in the life of the the office user it'll be coffee it'll be cocktails it'll be uh, food it'll be um, lunch dinner breakfast um, kind of the whole the whole range of the day Um, and then i think the balance will be filled with um, we may have a a few specialty shops um, so some will be convenience Um, you know we have gateway as a tenant in the building Um, that will be a convenience for um, for the office users we have a USP, um, USPS is in our building um, so that's another uh, tenant that's an amenity for the, the office user shoe shine, things like that. Some of the services will really make up the balance. I think our goal would be not to have a, an, an apparel or kind of heavy focus on, on mainline traditional retailers um, but you could see us doing a more select kind of pop-up or guide shop type of approach on you know one or two or maybe even three. Of those types of users,
0: right? And apparel would be a little bit out of the ordinary for this type of right. location. We are in maybe the a custom of suit shop district, yeah. right? <laughs> so is that fitness um, component different than the fitness center that's for the it tenant is. exclusive access? It is.
1: Yeah. So we're 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 targeting, um, you know, the the leading kind of fitness operators for yeah. each of those different spaces. So.
0: Yeah, no, there's an article in New York Times a couple of years ago. I was on the, the Games and Athletics Committee for the, the private club I mentioned a little bit ago, and they would say the most the most popular gym right now is the gym within a gym. And even at the larger fitness um, facilities, they're putting in gyms, which you know you can list the, all the different types of right. little uh, gyms within the gyms and the specialty workout classes that are available to everyone right now. That's that's certainly certainly the trend. I, As you describe it, what's it like to, basically, I mean, it's like a city. That building and everything that's going, it's like operating in a city. Obviously, you don't have the residential component like you would with the city, but just in terms of the square footage and the people that go through there on a daily basis, it's larger than probably most cities in the U.S. Yeah.
1: It's big. It's big. Fifteen thousand people working there, um, and its operations are running twenty four seven. Right, United is in there, and they're they're operating the space kind of twenty four seven. So, it's a um, it's a unique building, that's for sure. And there's a there's a strong communal feel to it, um, and uh, it's big, but it's not impersonal. And there's um, there's a great kind of uh, camaraderie, I would think, uh, among people. And and you know, I think what we've done. There was a little bit of a lull before our ownership, and and now with the creation of these amenity spaces, it's really, it's changed kind of the feel um, of the building, and it's it's pulled people um, into the building, and it's kept people within the building.
0: Now, David, um, obviously we've been talking a lot about Willis Tower, but Equity Office brought you on about a year ago, um, and... Are you focused just on the Willis Tower, but are you also focused on the equity office portfolio in Chicago generally?
1: Yeah, so I oversee um, all of Chicago. So we have a little bit over 10 million square feet. Downtown, we have Willis Tower and River North Point, which is uh, roughly a million and a half square foot office building uh, right on the river just to the west of the merchandise mark. Uh, in the suburbs, we have about 5 million square feet. Um, in roughly nine different complexes across uh, the western and northern and eastern um, or northwestern suburbs, so um, we're we're diverse, and you know some of the uh, the things that we do are you know our, our model is really buy it, fix it, sell it, right? And we we partner with Blackstone, and they're our investor, and it's a um, it's a great relationship in terms of. Um, you know collaborating on whether it's sourcing a deal or executing on a vision or you know realizing the value at the end of the day so it's a, it's kind of a constant flow where we're looking to buy we're looking to sell and we're looking to fix at the same time
0: fantastic um, you know I was I've asked a lot of our guests if they have any advice for people that are trying to break into the real estate industry we've had people on the podcast that have ranged the course of of where they are in their career and I know you from college. Um, well, actually before I ask you for your advice to, to the young ones out there, I thought about I was thinking about you coming in and David was a senior when I was a freshman and just a little nod to our fraternity, because fraternities <laughs> have taken a beating over the past few years and, and rightfully so, with that with their contributions to underage alcohol drinking and and there's a long list of, of negatives that are associated with fraternities right now, but one thing I was thinking about is when we were freshmen, you're pledging your fraternity, one thing we had to do was get information. And this was, it's like an incubator for how to network with people. And there's tremendous um, value to an 18, 19-year-old kid is that we had to go around and we had to introduce ourselves to everyone that's in the fraternity and getting their information was their name, where they're from, their major, and what year they were in school. And and what this did was it caused you as an 18 year old to have to walk up to David Moore, who's in the senior house at the the fraternity, and, and introduce yourself and have a conversation with these people. So within three months, you're having 100 conversations and, and learning it's like speed dating yeah <laughs> and after the 10th time you realize you can't just ask someone their name and where they're from and just say it robotically it's much more pleasant for both parties involved if you try to have a conversation about who they are and what they want to do with their life and um you know ter- what a tremendous experience that was in terms of how to teach someone right out of high school here's how you network and Rather than just tell you about it, we're just going to make you do it a hundred times over
1: and, and get to know people. It's I, a great point, and, yeah. and it's funny. I, I had not I had not thought of it that way. It's a great it's a great point. So I mean, it was yeah. uh, it was kind of one of those things you you had to do, and you looked at it as kind of a rite of passage. But um, you look back on it, and that's it's funny. That's how you remember. You know, I still remember all the information for all the seniors that were in the house when I Absolutely. was a freshman, just simply because I had no choice but to learn all their info. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So that was. You know, there are there are some good aspects for to sure, that. <laughs> for, for sure, absolutely. Um, so anyway, do you have any advice to to anyone trying to break into the real estate? You've you've had quite a career. You were at University of Illinois, and then you got your MBA from Northwestern, and then you were at Heinz for a number of years, and and recently went over to Equity Office. Yeah.
1: I would say I think real estate has gotten more sophisticated just in general as an industry and that I think that's a good thing there's just a lot more opportunity there's a lot more focus um, and there are a lot more industries within industries and I, I think if you're you know if you're coming out of college um, and you're trying to figure out kind of what you want to do in real estate um, I think that the best thing you could probably do is um, one get get exposure to the financial side right because I think you have to have that as your base knowledge, right? Whether you're, um, whether you're an owner, whether you're an investor, whether you're um, um, you know, analyzing deals, whether you're involved in leasing, whether you're um, on the legal side, w- whatever it is, you need to have that, that underpinning your, your background, right? It's the financial analysis and the understanding of capital markets and the understanding of debt and equity and kind of how they all relate and that, just that whole world. Um, yeah, and you had an investment banking background before you got your MBA, right. and that was, and then I did private equity for the Crown family, and that, you know, those two things, not having any real estate in my background, allowed me to get into real estate because I had that as an underpinning and um, financial analysis. You know, by by and large, is financial analysis right? So, um, if you have the basic building blocks and you've you've spent a lot of time doing that, and I spent many many hours in the investment banking world doing that. Um, it's a good bedrock of, of success, I think. Um, my, other, my other suggestion, and I tell people this, is just if you don't know exactly what you're going to do, um, or even if you know you don't know exactly what your interests are, try to find that generalist opportunity or that opportunity where you're, um, there's a rotational program or you get exposure to multiple different things. I think you can get quickly pigeonholed mm-hmm. um, within the industry. Um, and, you know, examples are, if, you, if you're in leasing um, and you go work for a leasing shop and you, and you stay there for a long time, it, it's sometimes tough to kind of make a transition out of that. Um, you know, if, you're, um, if you get into senior housing, right, as an example, and right. you, you're in that for 10 years, you, you, you kind of, that's what you know. Um, and so I think getting exposure to um, as many different verticals within the industry, um, getting the financial background, get exposure to kind of different, you know, um, components within the the chain of real estate. Um, I think are are critical, and I think the last thing I would say is that you know, real estate is is in this major major period of tra- you know transition and disruption right now. I, I think um, the best real estate companies are tech companies, right? And that's. That's what you're seeing, and that's that's. Yeah, I think that's unique. You know, not unique uh, to real estate. You're seeing that across every industry right now. I mean, you're even seeing the airlines are trying to position themselves as tech companies, right? Because they realize that's the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you know, everybody's in tech. If you're not, if you're not a tech company, you're falling behind. And and you've seen companies like WeWork. You've seen, um, you know, co-working. Whether it's, um, you know, we'll see what what size it ends up becoming or what portion of the overall industry it becomes. But um, the impetus for that is really this tech driven workforce and tech driven solutions and kind of the opportunities that that, have, that has created. So, um, getting in with a company that has a focus on that and that is open to change and that is embracing the change and is, um, you know, is on the edge of that disruption as opposed to hanging on to you know, the old way of doing things, I think is good advice.
0: Yeah, though, those are excellent pieces of advice. Yeah it kind of reminds me of Moneyball when you're talking about the difference between the old school scouts who just go watch players and say oh they're these are great players and then the influence of data analytics and how everybody's getting smarter which ties back to your first point as well I think that that's excellent advice also about I would say that for the law as well is uh, if you several things I mean if you don't there are some lawyers who say "I, I went to law school so I didn't have to deal with numbers doesn't go over real well. I'm sure clients don't like to hear that when right. the clients are asking you to double check their numbers. And then secondly, our, our firm has a generalist approach where the first few years you're spent doing some corporate work, doing real estate work, doing litigation, doing some estate planning, just learning all the different areas so that we feel like it makes you a better rounded thinker. And so you'll be better sure. at approaching problems and solving problems. And I think your advice is great, you certainly see you know, like probably in all industries, you're talking about real estate, I'm talking about law, but probably in all industries, if you get pigeonholed,
1: it happens quickly after you get four or five years in and it's hard to, hard to pivot. All right. You have to, you know, you, you want to, and, and, and finding that right opportunity for who you're working for as well. Right. You need to, you need to kind of mind your own development, right. And be an active you know leader in your own personal development in your own career trajectory as opposed to kind of a, a bystander and being more reactionary right so i think the people i'm most impressed by that come to me are people that have had um you know really thoughtful you know mindset about here's where i am here's where i've gone here's what i want to do next here's what i'm concerned about how i get to that point and they're thinking about it right and that's that's what you need to do right you need to be an active leader of your own development right you can't rely on somebody else I love that advice, I'm going to
0: let you out of here in just one minute, but along that advice since it's the end of the year, we'll probably release this in early January, but I'm actually going to give a, a presentation to our firm on Friday about goal setting because it's the end of the year and I'm a big believer in goal setting. My wife got me involved in goal setting, can't take credit for it, she's the one who came to me five years ago and said we need to start setting goals each year and so and it's amazing now that we're five years into it you can look back at the prior year and say i accomplished seven out of ten of the goals and we have ones for our family and for our career and for our finances and so you just look and the the exercise of it which you're saying like where have i come from where am i going i like to do it in six months to a year increments and just say this is what i want to do and i would say to people don't be afraid to say goal, even if you have no idea how you're gonna get there, because the, the exercise of saying to yourself, this is where I wanna go, and don't let that part of the brain slow that says, how, how are you gonna get there? That's impossible. Some of these things are outside of my control. Just don't be afraid to take a big swing. Say what your goal is gonna be, and then your brain in, will start to dream of ways that you can increase the probability of you getting there may not be a direct route, may not be the route you plan, but just the the exercise of picking the goal, identifying what you want to do in the next year, even if you have no idea how to do it, the next step will be figuring out
1: how to do it. There's a saying in uh, mountain biking that, you know, if you don't want to hit the rock, don't stare at the rock, right? So look forward out on the path, and you will find your way around the rock. So I'm a big believer in that. I think we should end on that. David, thank you for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.